Oh, hi listeners. Did you know that Team Corker offers an in-person training session called the Facilitator Lab? It runs for four weeks. It's led by Matt Corker. And the goal of the Facilitator Lab is to give you the tools and techniques that you need to powerfully lead groups of people. It's a lesson that's not often taught in the business world, and yet it's expected that you can lead powerful one-on-one -on -one group or perhaps all company meetings. Matt Corker is best in the world at this, and he's here to help train you. Facilitator Lab for 2020 will kick off in March. The link will be below. People are already signing up, so I wanted you to know about this before it sells out. Check it out. So excited to be running into literally running into 2020 with a very special guest, James from LA. Hi, my friend. Hello. <laughs> so, <laughs> this new friend of mine, we met on the bus on the way to the start line of the California International Marathon in Sacramento. It was dark, it was very dark. There was perhaps a block or two of buses lined up. And what both of us didn't know was that as we were crossing the street to get onto the bus, we were actually getting on the last bus to the start line. And now I'm notoriously not very early for things, but I certainly have not been late for a start line. And we had about a 90 minute buffer before the start of the race. Buses had been running for 20 minutes. I had no fear that I would be missing a start line. However, you and I both sheepishly looked at each other as we crossed the street thinking where the heck are all of the thousands of runners that are meant to be with us um what was going through your mind at five o'clock on that sunday morning yeah well i i was staying with a guy who works in Folsom and lives down there so i know you didn't know need that much time but i was just worried that i had totally miscalculated what lining up for a race involved which i did actually because i was not able to use the restrooms as i had planned when I, I got to yeah so that was that's a different part of the story but yeah I guess my fear was like I just wasn't going to be able to line up which I, I hadn't been to a race lineup except for the San Diego half so I didn't know what was involved in that and there was many more people there than I thought right so what makes this really special is here I am catching the last bus of the morning and on that bus is my new friend James and we stroll onto this bus and very quickly spark conversation, which I'm so grateful for because I think being adults and being able to have conversation with a new human in a blink of an eye, like we're about to share an experience known as a marathon. And you very quickly inform me that it's your first marathon and you've run a half marathon and you've been injured. And it's kind of like the classic runner story, all of those things. You've run a half, you get inspired to run a full, you've been injured along the way. And dude, you just cracked me up. I couldn't stop laughing. And I was like, but he's not being funny. Everything he's saying is, <laughs> is actually true right now. And so here we are at the beginning of 2020. And the purpose of this podcast and why I wanted to riff with you was like, life is a beginner. So everything from you got to the start line, you've never been at the start of a marathon before. And I want to dive into your first experience, the first time. The first time doing something as an adult, I think, is really special. Mm. But for context, you did share with me that your first half marathon was one hour and 54 minutes. Yes. 
Okay, one hour and 54 minutes. And here you are, and you're like, you know, maybe I could qualify for Boston. Like here I can go and run a three hour marathon. And I just thought the world of you. I was like, tell me everything. I want to know everything and more. And so I want to know your first marathon experience in Sacramento. And while you may have, you know, slightly missed Boston this time around, I really hope there's more where that came from. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, most of my goals were set because I didn't know what I was doing. And I don't really have any background in athletics or anybody to run with in L.A. There's like my wife's boss that like would tell me stuff from time to time. But that was the extent of it. And you made me listen to like a Rogue Runners podcast that really broke down the course beforehand. But that was sort of like all I did and, that, and read a book that I bought from Amazon. But yeah, the first experience was terrifying. I had no idea what I, I, I was gonna do. I hadn't pooped for two days. <laughs> I still haven't figured out why that occurred, but that really became a, a technical problem on the day of the race. So I was dealing with that several times. And yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it was just thinking about, I guess, lining up everything was really stressful until the start of the race and then when everything started happening it just felt like a training run and that was super weird mm. like I, I, everybody talks about this initial adrenaline burst and maybe for like 30 seconds it existed but it quickly subsided and it just felt like a sunday run and then yeah then i had to deal with the pooping which was unique and finally like hitting mile 22 i've sort of heard about the wall or whatever that that is but it was, it was extremely painful. Yeah. And then, so just trying to keep the mental fortitude to like keep pushing yourself. And I also couldn't eat after like mile 18. I don't really know why that happened. It just became yeah. difficult to put stuff down. And then talking to people on the course, like hearing people contradict your advice that you gave me on the bus, you were so helpful to be like, no, eat more than you think. It doesn't matter. Hit every aid station. And I didn't know any of this stuff. So I was like, all right, that sounds great. And then like, yeah, you, you were just a really calming experience because it seemed like you had done this. I mean, you have done this a bunch of times, but your entire attitude was so much more relaxed than I was. And you were just sitting back with your like jacket that was like nice. And I was like sitting in a weird hurly jacket, like I was a 14 year old or something. <laughs> well, let's clarify this, that you did go to Salvation Army to pick up your race morning clothes. Did you not? Well, yes and no. I mean, yes, but then I became very attached to that sweater so then I borrowed what sweater a sweater. Was it? It was like a Hurley one. Oh, no, the no. one I bought from. Uh, it was this. So in LA, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm relatively new to LA. It said flawless and it's black like a Beyonce sweater. <laughs> I just really liked it. So, anyways, I had to get another one. But yeah. I mean, that story has just. I thought about it the whole marathon. I was like, <laughs> you should just be running in your flawless sweater. You, you really won me over with that one. But we were given a morning clothes bag so you could wear whatever you wanted to the start, but they do suggest that you have, you know, something to stay warm because you're waiting in your corral. And so you were so prepared and you had all these things. I think it's very fascinating. I mean, our nervous system is incredible. And for your bowels to not want to poo for two days, that's, that's real. But of yeah. course, as soon as you get nerves and excitement, yep. everything wants to come loose and you're like, I didn't plan for this. And where's the porta potty? And yeah. Yeah, I can appreciate that. And actually it's the only reason I ran away from you when we got off the bus is I was like, Where's the porta potty? <laughs> and then I missed you and lost you and ran into my corral and you went into your corral. So the wall is real and it's a beautiful thing for it to feel like a Sunday run. I want to know other feelings of being a beginner. You know, you were giving contradictory advice. The fact that you even listened to my advice, this stranger on a bus, I mean, I feel so lucky. 
but this comes up in life all the time. And I feel like marathons are just a metaphor for, I mean, a literal marathon is just a metaphor for, for everything else. There's many different people that want to tell us many different things. And how did you choose how to navigate your way through all of that? Um, mostly, mostly accident and, and, Beautiful. and so I, I lined up, I didn't even know what corral to line up in. I, I thought I was in like a three thirty corral and it wasn't until I just couldn't see the little guy holding a stick. And so I was just running with this group and it took me a while to realize that I was with the 320 group as it started shedding people. Yeah. And I, I was, I had gone through, my next door neighbor was like a college 10K runner and they, everybody had told me to like start out at 830 and do like negative splits. But once I realized that I wasn't having any trouble keeping up with the 320 group, I just was like, okay, let's just try it and just keep running as far as I can. So that was basically the whole run. And then it was just listening to the guy, the pace guy talk. So he was pretty helpful because he was like, okay, we've gone a little fast and that's because we're about to hit the wall at 18. Ah. I didn't really feel it. But then like my legs felt a little tired at 18. And then at 22, it was just like everything just wanted to stop. And I think that's what he was talking about. But that was very helpful. I talked to people, I talked to you too. I I met uh, a couple people on the course that I talked to. And so a lot of the experiences that I was, and knowledge I was gaining was just in the race while I was going. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So one of my favorite questions to ask on the other side of a race when talking to, you know, be it athletes that I'm coaching or, or other people is the highlight, the low light, and what did you learn? So what was the best part of your first marathon experience? Oh, of the beer at the end. Um, oh. I mean, I hadn't, I'd, I'd read some article that you're not supposed to drink beer, so I hadn't drank beer for like two months. <laughs> but, but no, but more, more seriously, I think the best thing was like, I don't tend to do a lot of things for myself, I guess, in my life. Mm. And I didn't really realize how, and this is going to sound terrible, but how good it felt to sort of like do something you're proud of doing and then tell people, I guess it's bragging, but you know, you try to subtly do it, but like doing something that you're very proud of. And I just don't come across that a lot in my life. So being proud of something I've done is a feeling that I don't think I felt in maybe since like passing the New York bar or something. So that's, that's that amazing. the best point. That's so cool. What a highlight of 2019. You did something yeah. you were proud of. Amazing. Right. And drank yeah. a beer. And a beer. Yeah. yeah. What was the low light other than the wall? Uh, I had, there's, there was always a concern when I was younger. I got a rhabdo a couple times when I was in high school. And uh, there was a concern that I had a metabolic disorder. Mm. And the guy, the doctor very clearly told me I would never be able to run a marathon when I was like 17. So there was always a fear in the back of my mind that something was going to like, like I was going to rhabdo and end up at the hospital. So about the, the 10 minutes after the, the run was done was most thrilling to be proud, proud that I completed it in a decent time. But it was also the scariest probably lowest point because I did feel like rhabdo was about to hit. It's been, it's I basically since I've been 17, I haven't pushed myself as physically hard as I did that day. Wow. Uh, and so that was the fear of having that occur again, because that makes me have to go to ER and a bunch of crap goes on and stuff like that. So I was glad to avoid that, but that was wow. the scary point too. Wow. Forgive my ignorance. What is that? So rhabdomyel, well, so the, the condition they thought, they think I may or may not have, but they never really went into it. They just hydrated and kicked me out is a CPT2 enzyme deficiency. It's a creatinine pulmonary transferase. Basically like my muscles eat themselves mm. as a form of energy. Okay. But rhabdomyelosis is the condition you get. And a lot of like CrossFitters and stuff get it because they do it when they're, they're, they're out of shape and then they just, 
and it, it's the breakdown of your muscle um, as a form of energy and in, in, in like an extraordinary fashion because everybody breaks down muscle to a sure. degree. But yeah. you start urinating and your, brown t- your, your urine turns brown and your muscles are just getting destroyed and you need to go right. to the to, to hydrate and, and prevent renal failure. Gosh. The okay. Netflix episode on it, actually. It's like undiagnosed things and the, the girl in there has uh, CPT2 enzyme deficiency. Okay. Well, you didn't die and you didn't have to go to ER. That's yes. a beautiful thing. It was right. good, but that was, that was the scary point where I, I thought oh. I had rhabdo right after the race, but it was just soreness. Okay. Soreness yeah. is real. Yeah. What, what did you learn? What did running a marathon teach you? I want to do it again. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Which yeah. one? Well, so I, that's a tricky thing. I, my, my wife is going to give birth uh, in mid-April, so I have to sort of target it before that. She won't really want me doing anything after that. So April Amazing. 8th, I think, is, or April 6th is a Las Vegas one, and apparently like 30% of the, the field qualifies. So I'm like, well, I got a shot at qualifying. That's my last one. So, oh gosh, you really need to hope that your little nugget doesn't come early though. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Oh no. Okay. So you're back, you know, back to it. An April marathon. Training starts now. That, that that's a question I want to ask you. I bought another book called Advanced Marathoning. <laughs> and it says like very seriously, it's like four weeks afterwards, you're supposed to slowly ramp up. You don't dive right back into training. Yeah. The, the rule of thumb is typically for a mile, I mean, once obviously you're over a certain distance, but for every mile you run, you need a day of recovery. So uh, in essence, your organs and your, you know, your body hasn't fully recovered for 26 days after a marathon at the effort that you exerted. It's not to say don't run or it's not to say don't do things, but marathons are hard on your body. There's, there's mm-hmm. no joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you chafed or blistered at all? Anything externally? No. No. Ready no. to go. Okay. Yeah. Were you sore? Oh yeah, to- yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like Monday night, Monday and Tuesday night, I had a real hard time sleeping because my legs just felt like, I don't know, like little gnomes had stuck them with like knives or something. Like it, was, yeah. it wasn't until like Thursday I got a full night's sleep really. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's real. What about your brain? Did you go through any high or low post race of this is awesome or I'm, I'm depressed. I don't have my running training anymore. Yeah, that's right. So I've heard about that runner's depression. I didn't have any of that. It felt great. You felt great. Yeah, it felt great, especially to go back into my office with all my like lazy lawyer friends. Like none of them really work out. We don't have time to do it. So like they all think I'm like the oddest duck in the office. And there's one guy I secretly don't like. (laughs) Well, now I can't really tell the story. But anyways, I was it was good to tell him my time because it was much faster than his time. So that was and he right. kind of made me feel bad. He said, I have no hope of qualifying for Boston. He was very negative about the whole experience for me. So. You know, I think there's energy to get from two different sources. One source are the group of people that totally believe in you. And you're like, yes, I'm going to do it because you believe in me. And there's the other group of people that are like, you don't believe in me and I'm going to prove you wrong. And it's a beautiful yeah. thing. And yeah. I think we need a little bit of both. But as time goes on, I just don't have any time for the naysayers. It's like, mm-hmm. go not don't believe in someone else. I'm yeah. good. I got this. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so there's a new marathon on the horizon, but let's go back to your busy lawyer. So you're a busy lawyer. You're currently in LA. It's no joke. Even to ask your, for your time to be on this podcast, I felt like I was on, you know, like a lawyer's minute and I no, didn't no, want to waste your time. But how did you fit in your training and how do you think about fitting in more training? 
I, I turned it into my commute. So I'm about seven miles away from work. And so I would run in the morning and I'd run back. So you ran 14 miles a day? Well, it's six and a half, so 13, yeah. About 13 miles a day. Sometimes I would have to bike or take an Uber home because it would be like 10.30 or whatever. But generally, I was towards the end, I was getting, I think there was three weeks and I was doing like 70 miles a week or something. So it was just your commute. So would you commute with anything on your back? Well, so we, yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, I, that actually kind of became a problem because I, I would keep most of my clothes and stuff for the week there. And it would start to sort of, yes, well, the, the answer is yeah, I had a belt and I would hook it over my belt and then I would run to the office and keep like my shirt and my pan at the office. And oh then like gosh. shower at the gym and go in with my very short shorts. They got shorter progressively as like <laughs> for training because I got more short shorts instead of the long basketball ones. And uh, yeah, I would just walk into my office. Luckily we have like a, you know, no windows and I could close the door and just change and then start working. Oh my gosh. So this is why I love this podcast. I love this podcast. I love this life because you meet a stranger on the last bus to a start line. You hear about Beyonce sweaters and doing <laughs> things for the first time. I remember you asked me what I ate for breakfast and I felt like not, I didn't even want to tell you because I thought it doesn't matter. We're just, whatever's <laughs> in our stomach is going to take us through this marathon. But then you hear the crazy stories of how do you fit in marathon training well, you run to and from work. And I mean, for context, some people run 14 miles once a week and you're running 14 miles or 13 miles five days a week to get to and from work. It, yeah. it, that's like, I love that you have no context because that's crazy. Yes, that, that helped a lot to not be doing anything I've known that I know other people do. Yeah, and, and the fact that you don't have a running group and you don't have anyone telling you that it's crazy is a really beautiful thing. So I hope that in the build to Vegas, you stick your course, don't listen to other people, but maybe decrease some mileage and increase some intensity. Hmm. Okay. It, it, it might serve you, but that can be an offline conversation. No, no, that's, yeah, that's great. That's, yeah. One other thing I want to touch on, I'm mindful of time, and you mentioned a fitness test. You have to do a fitness test for some work coming up. Yes, right. And what is involved in this fitness test, and how do you feel with your current fitness level? So it involves push-ups, sprints, and sit-ups, and a longer run. And the problem is, it's just like the longest run is, is one and a half miles. So it's really like I can't, I, I don't think the distance really helps. Uh, with the especially with the push-ups and the sit-ups so I'm just wondering like it do I do shorter training workouts like more more speed interval whatever that means I mean I haven't figured that out obviously but I've read about them and then try to build that in more and just rely on that or I mean I just don't know what to do well how many push-ups and sit-ups do you need to do or it's is it a, for time a scoring mechanism thing I forget I think like I need to hit around 35 push-ups okay but is it like you have a certain amount of time to complete 35 push-ups or you just have to be able to do 35 push-ups? Continuous with no breaks. No so breaks. You can't, you can't rest for two seconds at the top. Right. Yeah. And sit-ups is 60 seconds. As many as you can in 60 seconds? Right. Got it. The beautiful thing about doing things that are short is you can practice doing short things that are very hard very often. You don't get to practice doing long things that are hard as often. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to run a marathon every weekend, but you could practice doing 35 push-ups and a minute of sit-ups every day, every uh. morning, every night. Just uh. 
keep going. And maybe you start with five push-ups, and then six or five and then 10. But I think running, you know, one and a half miles will be no problem for you. Mm -hmm. And you have such enormous fitness off of that marathon. I'm just so excited. You want to run another one. Yeah. This, this fitness test will be no problem. Okay. Okay, good. I'll do it every Wise day. words from your friend on the bus. Well, you gave me the right advice for the race. So <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. Okay, we have to wrap. It happens so fast. The last question on every one of our podcasts is what is currently making your heart beat faster? The I guess there's a lot of ways to answer that. Very literally, the coffee, uh, abundance of coffee I've drank today to just stay awake and do all the stuff I've been doing. But the thing that sort of more long term is how to fit in, how to shave off 20 minutes in four months from a marathon time right before my child comes out. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. I love it. Just for context or reference, how many hours a night do you sleep? Oh, pretty good. Probably like oh. eight. eight oh, minutes. you do? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I can't, yeah. yeah. I love it. Just curious. Feel yeah. Like you're running home at 1030 at night. Who knows? Yeah. No, I, you, I, very, very rarely do I run home at 1030, but it, okay. it happens. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. I love it. Well, I am following you. I'm cheering for you. I can't wait to see what happens in Vegas. And it was a pleasure to meet you on the bus. Congrats on your first marathon. And thank you for inviting me to this. This is great. I'm going to follow it now on all the different platforms. <laughs> Have an awesome day.